Welcome to Britbot Banter. I'm Liz. I'm Kevin. How are you? Excited. So pumped. I am. It's been a hell of a day and it's been a long, long journey to get to this episode. But we're here. We're here. So I'm excited. So this is episode 48. <sighs> and we're going to be talking about... We're going to be talking about Manson. Yes! And the album Six. No, absolutely we're not talking about Six. Are we going to talk about Six? Yes. Okay, good. We will we'll talk about it. Six. But no, this is Attack of the Grey Lantern and I am really excited to see how... Uh, if you get emotional at all throughout this, <laughs> I, feel, I feel I'm the only one that can sometimes <laughs> drop my bundle over a song lyric. So uh, we'll just see. Maybe. Anyway, we'll you can get on. us on Twitter and Facebook at Britpop Banter. Email us at BritpopBanter at gmail.com. Um, any ratings, please? Um, we haven't had any for a while, have we? Ages. Um, and uh, guilty pleasures as well. well is it worth it? Through? Is, is it, it worth it? it? If it's amazing. If it's a good guilty pleasure, you've got still literally a couple of episodes to go. I still want to see them. Um, all views expressed on this podcast are 100% our own, and while we poke fun at some bands and artists, we appreciate their talent and sacrifice to create this these albums. Now, you really do appreciate the talent and sacrifice yeah, going into this album, I don't do. you? I do, I do, I do. So today is going to be a bit of a switcheroo because... I'm going to be the one really asking you and probing you those, you know, those deep questions, those tough questions. Oh, really? Those emotionally reaching questions. <laughs> just about what this album means to you, because I like this album. In fact, I love this album. Mm. I scored it high. Yep, he did. But you are. And I, you love it. Now, I did say last week that I would go easy. <laughs> I did say that. Go on. But it's been a big day. Yeah. So? I don't know how. You're going to take it out of me because I I'm excited. I might have to. I don't... I hope not. Just keep drinking your gin and tonic. You'll be fine. We'll get through it. I've had... And in my, do you know how much... All right. Yes, we've had the reefs and the cooler shakers. But you know what? We've also had... You've had the stone roses and you've had two Oasis episodes. So really, this is the one episode I really get to gush over. So no, you're not going to rain on this parade. Pal. No, I'm really not. But it has been. I think you got the heads up about it though. That how I was feeling today, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Your boss. Yeah. Your boss texted me. Yeah. Hi, Aaron. My new best friend. Yeah. So. Uh, Thank you for I'm listening. Gonna, I'm going to try my best. What I'm going to try and do is put all of my feistiness and bad mood into all other aspects. Positivity. Of this. Oh, okay. Just not you and Manson. I'm really going to give you this. Okay, I really good. want you to feel, just to know what it feels like to genuinely, from the bottom of your soul, <laughs> love an album and get the chance to tell our listeners how it feels. Because you really haven't. Because Cooler Shaker and Reef, I went right at you. You just attacked me. I'm not sure you got a chance to actually bask in it or enjoy it. No. It was just defend, defend, defend. Today, Kevin, <laughs> this is your day. <laughs> This is your episode. What an introduction. You nailed that. Nailed it. Almost 50 episodes, but... Bang. Bang. So last week's album was Embrace. Yes! It hasn't gone unnoticed that I got emotional about some of that. No. Which is um, great. I listened to it. I Well, first of all, it's one of the most enjoyable episodes that we have done, I, I felt. totally agree with you. Um, and it was weird because I had always been looking forward to talking about this album. 
Um, but how do you think it went? How do you think it was received? Uh, I think, first of all, I agree with you completely. It's probably one of my favourite episodes. And it was a weird one because, you know, it's not the, the, the funny ones are out there because it's just you ripped me apart, like the Cooler Shaker and the Reef. Or there's the random ones like the Paul Weller, we got drunk together. Like there's ones like that. Um, but that was just, you know, you were up for it. You were really emotional and positive and just totally into it. I was in a good mood. And just the whole episode, putting it together was a real pleasure too. Like played a lot more of the album. Yeah. That had a really good, strong song of the week. Played some great tracks. And also, you know what, we saw that the feedback on the episode itself was really positive. I yeah. mean, a couple of little... T- I mean, I was a little bit candid around some of Embrace's work. But overall, a lot of love for this album. Surprisingly, good volumes as well. So the last couple of albums, quite small compar- compared to sort of with the, the heights of ten, number 10 to 15, actually. But Embrace came back strong. Huge pop, very similar to the Blue Tones in terms of the popularity of the band. So yeah. um, I really good feedback. I'm really happy. What did you think? Your episode. Loved it. Yeah? Yeah, loved it. I love that album. Yeah. Like, I love it. And I'm glad I got a good chance to talk around it. I love the fact that we got to play some more music from it. Yeah. Um, we talked a lot about the lyrics what I like at the beginning of the, you, the episode, you were like, oh, know. you know, these cliches. Cliche. Know. And then by the end, oh, they're beautiful. <laughs> you like, converted me. Yeah, and, I was, <laughs> and I was like, my work here is done. But yeah, I think your argument is right because, you know, we just come off the Mannix, which talk about hard hitting political or current affair issues. And you go into Embrace This Album, which, yes, you know, it's a little bit cliched or the guy's got a broken heart or he's in love with someone else. It's a bit. You know, but when I went through and I was looking at all the song meanings and what people thought about them, and all, you're right, it hits, it resonates. It's, you know, people like, we were like, what, well, we were 17, 18 when that album came out. We're going through all the angst and pain and love, and it just hits home. Yeah, absolutely. As opposed to the Mannix, you know, when now I, I appreciate the stuff that the Mannix did around finding out what Kevin Carter meant. Who yeah, Kevin absolutely. Carter, you know, stuff like that. But when I'm 16, 17... Do you care? Not really. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But you're right, I'm caring about, you know, who I fancy at school. Yeah. And do they like me? Do they notice me? And how do I ask them out? And all of the angst. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Now on lyrics. <laughs> you're going to hit me on that, right? Go on. Um, yep. I am really keen to talk about the lyrics in this <laughs> album. I've got a couple of questions for you. <laughs> it's not for me. You have to ask No, they're all. for you. So basically, the first... My objective of tonight's episode, and I have one... This is not a HR discussion. No, my objective of, of, this, of this evening's episode is that... And I don't want you to answer me now. I want you to wait. If by the end of this episode, I know who Mavis is... Ooh. Then I will be fine. Okay. I will be. Con- I have theories on who Mavis is. Oh, good. Then let's talk to that. And I want to talk about it. Okay. But I want to get to the bottom because she's got a massive influence. So we'll talk about the theme of the album because yeah. I found out a lot going through this as well. Because you're right, some of the lyrics they are so out there. No, I deliberately didn't research the meaning of the lyrics because I knew you would. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, no. 
And can I tell you why I didn't? As go well? on, go on. Because I've had a theory for years Ooh. about this album and who Mavis is. I didn't want it to be spoiled. I want live on air to be proven if I'm right or wrong. And I didn't want it to be clouded. Because you know I had a theory about Deborah and Pope? Yes. I've got a theory about Mavis and I've had it for a while. And I didn't want to find out unintentionally I was right or wrong because it would have ruined it for me. So I'm just going to put that out there I don't want to talk about it now Okay. I just wanted to put that out there That if I'm right, just say It's not because I've done any research So let's, can you take a note I want you, We're going to get to Mavis Because obviously she comes up in all of the songs But bring us back to that point M- Mavis In big capital letters So you're happy with the Embrace episode? Very much so uh, How do you feel about the fact that after this We have three more to go Um Happy, sad, nervous, and emotional. Let's talk about each of those in order. Okay, so um, happy because we're coming to the end of an amazing project. Mm -hmm. Sad because I'll miss talking about these this particular time. Yeah. Um, emotional and nervous because I still haven't had definitely maybe. And I'm all and I'm super cautious about the spreadsheet, so um, it could go. It's, it's been good so far, right? Yeah. And you know, there's still no guarantees that you don't throw out some rubbish in the net top three. And I don't know, I could cope with it being twenty five. Yep. I don't know if I can cope with it being three. Now, I have the ones I want it to be. Okay. But that never, that sometimes doesn't translate. So. Um, uh, I am So it was happy, sad, emotional What was the last one? Nervous Nervous, right So I So the nervous I'm, I'm I know what I've known for a year What a spreadsheet is So It is what it is The numbers don't lie Excel don't lie We need a t-shirt Excel don't lie So I'm okay with that A little bit um, I think I think You know the next couple of albums Did the big hairs I think everyone sort of expects There's no There's no nasty surprises here It's just the order in which they go in Right um, so I think we're over the, the big sort of curveballs. I'm happy, same as you, that we've achieved something that we had, well, probably a couple of beers in and we thought it would be a good idea. Um, so I'm happy that we've done this and it's, it's gone pretty well, yeah. I would say. I'm happy that we've made some nice new friends along the way. Yes. And I've been really pleasantly surprised at how well something so small has, has gone, right? So I think we've, we've done tick, achieved mm-hmm. something there. Sad. I'm also happy, side note, me and you have never seen each other this much. Outside of us, we live together shortly for a short while, right? But we've never seen each other this much since we were kids. No. So, you know, it's been a year every single week I've seen each other. Yeah, it has, isn't it? <laughs> we're still mates. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> so that's been awesome. It's been great hanging out and, and going through this podcast and having a lot of fun. Sad, I'll miss this. I'll yeah. m- even on the break and the downtime, I know I'll miss it. I think it's a relief though because it's a lot of it's a lot of strain for me and you putting this the together timing. and yeah. time and effort and getting in the same room every single week and it's 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 a lot of work and both of us work pretty full on jobs. So that, that will be, I'll have a nice rest. And the rest comes at Christmas. You know, that's the best time, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, we get you're going home. I've got my family coming over. So we get to have a little breather with our sort of loved ones. 
and then pick it back up in the in the new year. So that's that's good. Uh, what was the other one? Emotional. Yeah, I think I've said it all. Yeah. So I think I'm in. Yeah, I'm in a it? good place. Yeah, me good too. Place. Um, all right. So well done on the intro. Anything else you want to cover off before we get into song of the week? Uh, no, I think that's. I think I've. What did you think about some of the Embrace fans? Some of the Embrace fans are really passionate yeah. about Embrace. Kind of like you. Like, they really came at me for a couple of stuff. Because I was quite... What I did talked, they come at you for? Uh, Embrace's second and third album. I, I kind of slagged them off a bit. And I, and I sort of came back and I went, well, the fifth album and sixth album were fantastic. A lot of people didn't like that I wasn't... I, I didn't like every album. And, I, and to be fair, I just... I, I stand by it. I'm not going to change it. I don't... Oh, that's my view. Good convictions. Well done. <laughs> I'm not Proud of you. Change it. Proud of you. I, I was like, gonna, I was gonna, and I went. You know what? Everyone's entitled to their opinion, and everyone has their favourite bands. Um, and you know, we're about to talk about my favourite band, but I'm going to be objective with regards to that as well, right? So, are you really? Yeah. Okay. We'll see. Right, song of the week. Can't wait. This is another reason. I've had you this... have been banging oh, on about this band God. forever. I have this had this song up my song of the week up my sleeve for so long, right? So it's very different to what we usually play, right? So it's an artist called Usselman. The song I'm going to play is "The Tides." It's taken from the album "All Fun and Games Until Everyone Goes Blind." Let me tell you about this, right? That's probably the theme tune of Biker Grove, isn't it? What? Remember, PJ, PJ and Duncan. Yeah. Oh, because he lost his eye? Paintball. It's all fun and games till someone goes blind. <laughs> How did you get to Pike and Grove? Don't know, it just hit me. Gee whiz. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> PJ and Duncan aside. <laughs> so, let me tell you, you know how Spotify people are, uh, and I love the fact that people still buy CDs and records and all that sort of stuff. And, and so, Spotify, right? Spotify Premium. And music streaming has this whole new. It's great in some spe- some aspects, but then how much do the artists get paid and all that sort of stuff, yeah. right? So I'm skimming through, and sometimes with this process of listening to music, I don't know if you've got the same problem as me now, but because we've had to research albums for this for this show, Spotify tends to throw the same stuff at me all the time now. You know, I jump back in, or here's artists, and because we're targeting on a specific type of music yeah it keeps throwing the same bands I discover weekly is a wee bit like that it's the same stuff right which is great but because we've been so entrenched in it you sort of look for something new um so anyway this is like it was recommended for you and I'm just skimming know that know that know that and the album cover jumped out of Usselman um and what it is it's this dark silhouette standing on a beach their eyes are sort of lit up like goggles it's very retro looking. Has a sort of a. It, I know it's probably not. It has a Stranger Things like Star Wars kind of retro feel to it. And I just went, "What's that?" The first song on the album is "The Tides," which is the song we're going to play. And I went, "Bang!" Hooked line, all in on this song, right? So, and then just after that, so I reached out to uh, Blow Up Records, and I was talking to Paul, who Usselman is is sort of signed to, right? And we're chatting back and forward, and. Paul gave me a whole list of other artists signed to the label, all their music, right? And so I've just been plowing, and I'm going to play another band, but just been plowing through that, and it's just so great, like a sort of small boutique label just producing fantastic music. It's amazing. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. 
the most unexpected best part of this podcast has been the new music. Agree. Because we know Embrace, we know Manson, blah blah. But honestly, some of the bands that we've played getting that sign, getting that vinyl from Moonlight Parade with my name on the back is not something I ever would have expected. Correct. Those little moments. That's what's made this. Yeah, yeah, amazing. I agree. Agree. Chatting to bands. You never thought you'd chat to bands. No. Discovering new bands, new music. Yeah. And getting feedback from the listeners saying that rocked, and then following or. Tweeting whatever it is and get love it, love it. it. I totally agree with and you. Season two, I hope we can really carry that one. Yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely. So yeah, we're, we need to line up some songs for season two. So the bio of Usselman springing from Southend's buoyant music scene. Usselman is a moniker from multi instrument instrumentalist Chris Usselman, who has written, arranged, and produced a debut album of glittering alt electro pop, all fun and games until everyone goes blind. So here we go, the tides.
I love it. I know. I actually, I play this album. It's non- a good track. It's a good track. Non-stop. It is seriously up there with um, one of my favourite albums of the year with American Machine. Like, I just want to... Th- Chris, just thank you for making that album. It just, it's just fantastic. Oh, it is like it's just it's made my year that album. So thank you so much. Fantastic music. Go out and listen to. I'm so Man. excited today. Look I am pumped. <laughs> ah, shall we get into the homework? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't do your song of the week jingle either. I keep forgetting. Oh, you keep that. forgetting. Sorry. So Les says. Les says. Les says. Les says. This week was hard. <laughs> um, I'm glad you said it. So, Keen. So we had Keen with the album um, Cause and Effect. Mm-hmm. And we also had Feet. What's inside is more than just ham. So we'll start with Keen. Um, as we know, they're an English rock band. They formed in 95. Rock band? What well, indie band, rock band. I hate it when Wikipedia does that or whatever. It's rock, rock band, band. Indie, indie band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 95. So, wow. Yeah, yeah. 95. Yeah. Tom Chaplin on lead vocals, Tim Rice Oxley on piano, synthesizers, bass guitar and backing vocals. So, basically the whole band. Um, <laughs> Richard Hughes, drums, percussion and backing vocals. And Jesse Quinn on bass guitar. And then the original lineup had Dominic Scott in it. He left in 2001. He's probably pretty thankful. Um oh! <laughs> I jest because they made hopes and fears in 2004. I jest, I jest. Wow. Anyway, as we know, they've had this is their fifth studio album. They've had hopes and fears, which we spoke about last week. We've got a soft spot for it. So I'm just trying to find out when hopes and fears. 2004. That late. Yeah. Wow. I don't know that we're doing for nine years, but maybe it was making this album. Anyway. Wow. Under the Iron Sea, Perfect Symmetry, 2008, Strangeland, 2012, and then now in 2019 with Cause and Effect. So they've had seven years. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, There are five pieces, you said as well, right? Yep. Wow. One, two, three, four. Yep, well done. Um, (laughs) So reviews. (laughs) Enemy, three out of five. Musically, the album hits in all the right spots, solidifying their expertise at penning sunny, earnest Radio 2 core. And when they deviate from the easier path, most notably on the slow, deeply sombre Strange Room, which sees Chaplin's voice take on a genuinely affecting, downtrodden lower tone, cause and effect begins to exist as more than a comeback album for the sake of a comeback album. Even some of the cringeworthy rhyming couplets that Chaplin throws out, they they say you should move on, but you can't even get your shoes on. He belts on single The Way I Feel are given more weight due to their genuinely traumatic birth. Managing to solidify their existence is a pretty damn big band in their own circle, as well as flirting with kinds of experimentation that many of their peers wouldn't go near, the record shines with the redemption that you'd have to be pretty cold-hearted to not smile at. Mine must be granite. <laughs> anyway, Sputnik Music. Oh, okay. A little new, new, new music one. blog. Nice. Two out of five. Th- this is amazing. Review summary. Welcome back, Keith. Oh, actually, you know what? Never mind. Oh! 
Anyway, they say, On the strength of hopes and fears and under the Iron Sea, Keen deserve a mention as one of the most prominent pop rock bands of the mid-2000s. Mm. Essentially filling the role of a more creative Coldplay, the band gathered steam with its intoxicating combination of piano synth, atmospheres and soaring vocal melodies. Their reputation remains bolstered to this day by cornerstone hits such as Somewhere Only We Know and A Bad Dream, keeping the name Keen relevant in the households of 30 to 40-somethings, holding out for another hit of equal calibre. This misplaced faith is where cause and effect will make most of its money, because it certainly doesn't bring anything noteworthy of its own to the table. Keen has always straddled the line between contemporary adult pop and something indier, but cause and effect basically forgoes the latter. Long-term fans know this is nothing new and will point to the 80-infused perfect symmetry as the beginning of the end, but I doubt there would be any would exist any buzz, however small, around Keen's return, but thanks to Strange Land and hits like Disconnected, some middle-aged folks will still reach for cause and effect. Unfortunately, it's little more than a bland exercise in pop that the band needs in order to sell records and tour again. You and I, however... Do not require anything that this album has to offer. Oh, Sputnik! Sputnik! Woo! So, um, you go first, please. How oh. do you feel about Keen? I mean, I've kept my feelings pretty secret. Well so. done for being professional. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, very mm. good. Yep. Uh, firstly, 2004 for Hopes and, Hopes and Fears. Yeah. I, I thought that was a lot earlier than that, so, mm. okay. Um... It was the second best British album, the second biggest selling album in Britain in 2004. British album. That's a huge album. Yeah. And I'd, I haven't listened to that for years, but I remember loving that album. Yeah. It won the 2005 Brit Award for Best British Album in 2005. Did it? Yeah. That's incredible. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Just go. It's not good. Just do it. It's not good yeah, at all. Yeah, the band-aid off. Let's all do it. We'll do it together. Um, One, two, three. It's shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, was that helpful? Can we go back to our dis- disclaimer? Our opinions. Mm. Okay. So first of all, I really wanted to like this album. I actually... Um, Same. I was excited. I was ex- I thought, oh, really it's gonna be excited. Quite... I didn't think it was going to be amazing. I thought it was going to be nice. I thought, I'll go, I'm going to enjoy this. It's not going to challenge me. It's going to be nice. There'll be a couple of songs that I really like that probably are quite hit home. It'll be a nice listen. It'll take me back a bit. I'll I'll enjoy that. Okay. Me too, and I didn't. No. So, <laughs> and I gave it a lot of listens because the first time I listened to it, I went, oh, I'm being too harsh. Couple of days, re-listen. Couple of days, re-listen. And look, the album does get better it doesn't i mean i i I sort of the sound threw me off and just wasn't what i expected and then so it has got better but look so let's talk about the songs you're not home which is the introduction is okay it's gone from my meh column to actually it's okay um love too much is cheesy but it's okay the best song on the album is phases yeah best song by far classic keen great sounding really enjoyed it Thread is a good song as well. The Meh, The Way I Feel, Put the Radio On is terrible. Dear God. Is is terrible. Strange Room isn't great. Now, the song Stupid Things, okay, isn't a good song. But 
I do, and this is, I've got two problems here, which I think Sputnik maybe talked to. Um, one, the lyrics, uh, I understand he, so that the lyrics behind Stupid Things is about the fact that he is missing time with his family. Um, so boozy lunch, boozy work lunches, touring, getting drunk, all this sort of stuff. And he's missing time with his family and missing putting the kids to bed and all sorts of stuff. So the lyrics are actually quite personal. They're quite, they're, you know, they're quite personal. Um, but also in that little lyrical piece, there's a bit around texting. Now, you know, there's a, it's, it's something around the lines of, you know, I've, my phone ran out of batteries so I, or I forgot to text you back or something like that, yeah. right? One of my pet peeves, and I don't know how you feel about this, one of my pet peeves with song is where they reference current day technology, right? I hate it. I can't stand it. I don't know why people... So I sent you an email. I love you. Or I tweeted. Like, sorry. I'm going to write a song about like, it. Like, seriously, it, it's, in 10 years, that, that'll be gone. And you'll that song will now sound so dated. But what about songs when people talk about writing letters? Yeah, it has Sign, nice... sealed, delivered, I'm your... Okay, writing a letter, tweeting. Okay. You wouldn't really put them in the same realm. No. Texting, writing a letter, not there, right? But you're not going to write your partner a letter because you're home late. But I just, do you know what I mean? I just, for me, it just, if I hear something that is... Reference to modern day technology, I just I forget it. Why would you write that? I just you, you can come up with so many better ways of. It, it, I it's... tried to reach you, but I couldn't. My pigeon didn't get there. Yeah, sent your tweet, sent your message. Uh, sent, I sent you on WhatsApp, like stuff. I just go stop, stop. What are you doing? In ten years, that technology is going to be irrelevant. Your song is going to sound stupid. I've got to be honest with you with that song. The song's not going to sound stupid because of the use of... Texting. It just sounds stupid. (laughs) I actually actually think it's a really touching song and it talks about his faults. And I go, that's really... Like, you know what you're doing. (laughs) I know I was going to be feisty tonight. I am sorry, Keen. Just take take it out on Keen. Don't take it out on Hanson. What what did I say to you at the beginning? I said, I'm going to take it out on all other parts of the podcast. So when, when we get to Manson... I am going to be a little kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I Need Your Love, which is the last song, is, is not great. So overall, not great. It feels like Top, li- top Loader, Bad Killers, <laughs> and the Kaiser Chiefs, which we covered a couple of times. <laughs> it's cheesy. It's commercial. It sounds the same. But look, my view did change on it. With every lesson, it got that little bit better. However... No, I couldn't do it. I kept walking away. There's some good tracks. There's not enough to save it. Four out of ten. So I had it at a three. I didn't like any of the songs. <laughs> so let's talk about the ones that I didn't like in particular. I put the radio on the way I feel. Love too much. Stupid song. things. Actually, phase is not too bad. Oh, phase is um, great. Phase is a classic king. The it was just. Oh, I think the reason I'm so. I guess, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Brutal in my um, review of this album is because I genuinely was looking forward to it. And you feel let down. I feel let down. Because I'm not the biggest... Ca- I honestly believe you could pick up any of the other Keen albums, mm. bang it on, there'll be two tracks, and you'll go like that. Which is classic Keen. Yes. And I go, I don't know what this is. Like, 
How can you actually have written a song, like put the radio on, awesome. the way I feel, mm. and be in the studio and look to each other and went, sit boys. <laughs> like, I just don't believe you. Like, I can't. Put and, the and radio on. What the? It's, it's, it's awful. So, um, I'm disappointed. I wish they hadn't bothered. Um, I don't know who is going to like it. And I don't understand these reviews. Sputnik is bang on. Sputnik is bang on. Bang on. Enemy, three out of five. There were also other reviews I read. Guardian gave it three and a half out of five. They got decent reviews. They didn't get amazing, but they weren't slated. Like, sometimes when I do this, not so much for the bands that we don't necessarily know, but the bigger bands, there's there's always a scale. Someone will give it four out of five, then there's always the one. There's Mm. always the one star. One review wants to bring it down. There wasn't really. No. Everybody was in that average pile. Mm. I think it's below average. Mm-hmm. I agree with so you. So I'm going to give it the same as what NME did, a three, but out of ten. So you had it. So you probably did the same. I I thought I was being too harsh and I went back a couple more times. Uh, the, other, the other thing I'll say that's really disappointing is we've had a year of great music. But also we've had a year of bands who have evolved. And... This album musically today doesn't stand up as some of the, the better works out there. So I'm glad you said that because one of the, the new home the homework this week is gonna be We haven't gone to the other band. No yet. no but I'm just saying I'm just saying. Oh it's another band. Just yeah. Anyway, so Feet. They're a five piece band from Coventry. Um formed in two thousand and sixteen. Um they it's this is actually quite funny. So on their Facebook they have a bio. I just want to read it because it's quite funny. Feet was really a distraction for its members from their endless bowls of pasta and lonely nights due to their poor game. (laughs) (laughs) The band then quickly projected from a boozy side project to a a realistic excuse to discuss dropping out of uni. (laughs) With a European tour under the belt seeing the likes of Luxembourg in all its glory, as well as a stopover to France, Feet are now back in the old... White, red and blue, looking to spread the love and party or die with Britain's finest youths. With a small tour in some big cities, feet are looking to get the ball rolling and make it out of Coventry's uni campus. Made me laugh. I mean, yeah. I'd give um, you an extra point, but I'm not, so... Okay, anyway, so reviews. <laughs> Enemy. Okay, stop. If Enemy gave... Would they give Keen three out of five? Ready? Go on. Four out of five. The Coventry rabble rousers are all over the shop, veering from serrated post-punk to winsome indie and back again. Buckle up, you're in for a bumpy ride. No, wait, come back. Yes, this album is called What's Inside Is More Than Just Ham. No, we don't know what that means either, and well, who cares? And yes, it is by a band with the name Feet, in all capitals, FYI. If you dare stick out your nose for a curious whiff, you might be pleasantly surprised. This may well be one of Britain, one of the most intriguing British indie bands, albums of the year. When they play it straight, there are hints of Blur's modern life is rubbish. God damn it, enemy! In both the sound and observations, English weather sarky jab at the sunscreen police who feign interest in the Isles climate is pure Auburn eye roll. There are a hint. There are hints of Blur's frantic advert and chemical world. On the untamed outer rim, while the new beefy version of petty thieving taps into millennial anxiety. This peek into Feet's trippy world is often confounding, but on the whole, this album is a giddy ride from a British band not afraid to push the boundaries of their sanity. 
Next review. <laughs> Pause for dramatic effect. Find another blog. The line of best fit. Oh yeah, I've seen this one. Yep. Yeah, okay. Nine out of ten. Impossible to pin down to one genre. It skips and lurches between the likes of Britpop, post-punk, doo-wop, funk, punk and psych pop. You just made all that up. Anyway, without any real sense of direction or scope, the album becomes became a reflection of the eight or nine months we spent moving from place to place writing the fucker. The band explains. There's lots of things we don't like. We know more about what not to sound like. This explains why Feet have created a subgenre all of their own. Are you ready? No. It's on their Facebook page. It's on their um, Twitter page. Oh. The subgenre sub they've created is crease pop. Crease pop? Yeah, crease. Can you explain As in, that? You need to iron your shirt. Crease. I love ironing. Yeah, I know you do. That's why I gave that analogy so you'd get it. Um, it's fair to assume that a band that met at university wreaked havoc on elderly neighbours in a Portsmouth retirement village and caused chaos in rural Bedfordshire would have plenty of funny stories to tell. Well, Coventry outlet feet certainly do. When they're not causing mischief, they've been busy cooking up their debut album, the absurdly titled What's Inside Is More Than Just Ham. With what's inside is more than just ham, feet paint themselves as the poster boys of this new breed of indie. An epic display of wry humour and wit from start to finish. Each track its own diary entry of silliness. Coming together to create a scrapbook of playful and jaunty bops. If you're looking for an album with coherent, tangible theme, then perhaps this isn't the one for you. Instead, it's a coagulation of the weird and the wonderful and just a snapshot of the immense power of feet. Complete madness, but so much fun. They've, they've nailed that last paragraph. Not so much the last sentence, but... Okay. Thoughts, Kev? You go first. Sure. So, um, English weather. Remember I said last week there's a song you're going to hear and it's never going to leave your damn head? Uh... As blue. No, English weather. Nah. English weather. English all day. That's it. I'm done. There we go again. It's going to be in my brain. Um, okay. Look. So for me, I think the reviews give it some. I don't think it's an out of ten album, and it's a hard album. It's a hard album to review because it's not my normal genre. But it was actually light relief from King, because King was just a dark. It was just a drag, and this had like. But English weather makes me laugh and it's catchy and it gets in your head. Petty thieving, I enjoyed. Add blue, um, it's pretty infectious as well, and that gets in your head too. Um, but it does have multiple genres across the album. I'm not really ever going to go back to it often, but I liked. I don't know. It's hard. If I was reviewing it in another week with another album, I probably would have scored it lower. But given the right. The light relief it gave me after Keen, I need to score it higher than Keen because it's better than Keen. I do think that they do have a future. I can see that this will actually resonate with people. And I do think there's talent there. Oh, yeah. And I do think it's well produced. Is it my favourite homework album? No. But did I enjoy it more than Keen 100%? And for that, I'll give it five and a half. Oh! Okay. Good on you. Uh, the Good, the introduction is The Good Richard's Crash Landing is the name of the first oh, song. Oh yeah, that's fun. Which is 
You don't know what you're getting. You have no idea nah. what you're getting. Because, I mean, they've, they've talked about it in some of the reviews. This album has so many different styles of music. Mm-hmm. And, like, you're like, what track am I on now? Wait, I'm still on Good Richards? Holy crap, what's going on? Yeah. So I, I did really like Good Richards Crash Landing. As Blue, which is a song I thought you were you were thinking about, sounds exactly like Hello's Oh Yeah, the bum bum. Because it goes bum. Bomb. Like it's just it's so and I'm like, oh my god, I know this. Yeah. Where did I hear this? Um Shelley 47, Axeman is good, English weather is okay, Petty Thieving is okay. I f- <sighs> I didn't like the title track at all. The What's Inside Is More Than Ham. I found it way too weird and heavy, and Wiggy Pop I didn't like either. Look. The enemy one nailed it because they're really quite an unusual band. I yeah. get strong hints of Blur. There's some Happy Mondays. There's some Arctic Monkeys. Uh, there's also some of the, they sound like a male Elastica sometimes because of their excellent guitar riffs. Starts off well, very quirky, very different, and you're like, oh, your ears perk up, and you go, what? What am I listening to? What is this? I did find that it's an album of two halves, and the second half tapers off a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And I found it. I I found it a little bit difficult because of the different structures of some of the songs, which I understand. People are, like I love the diversity of it, and they're obviously very talented. But for me, it just no, no, not for me. But still, way better than Keen. Five out of ten. Yeah, it's five and a half. Yeah. So the producer of this album was Cam Blackwood. He's produced Alabama Three, London Grammar. Oh. Oh, like big wow. bands. Wow, okay. Yeah, big bands. So that's why I do think there's a there's a future for them. I do think that. Um, I just don't know how you... Because they're just... Their style is so out there. How do you find a... a not even... Like a niche? Like how do you... It's Look, go out and listen to this album. Give us your thoughts because it's so different. Right. Homework for next week. Well, what do we got? So in that vein, we've got Coldplay. What? With their new album, Everyday Life. Oh my God, I've listened to Coldplay in years. Oh my God. Okay. I've given it a listen. That's a good poker face, Les. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, look, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm glad. Good, good. And then another, a new band, Sunset Suns. Oh, and new. their album, Blood Rush Deja Vu. Wow. Boom. Okay. Okay. So mixed bag there. I've listened to them both. Okay. Yep. Uh, are they better than this week? Oh. <laughs> yes. Okay. Good. Guilty pleasures. Well done, Sarah. I mean, to be fair, though, I had to go through the bloody thing as well. So I'm not entirely happy about this. So this is Wet, Wet, Wet with the album Picture This. Leslie. I forgot how bad a song Julia says is. (laughs) Wow. Julia. I actually think that's one of the best songs on there. You are mental. I actually think it's pretty good. Pretty good. What's so good about it? Okay. 
Please explain. Uh, I don't know. I think it's... I don't know. For an intro song to an, a Wet 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 album, I didn't think it was that bad. What do you mean an intro song? Like, I thought it was all right. Like, it wasn't... I mean, it's not my... It doesn't form my... I'm just saying it's not that bad. Okay. What we about... will get to the bad. Okay. What about... um, Gypsy Girl? Terrible. Mm-hmm. What about... um, She Might Never Know? <laughs> I've got that in my all right column. Wow. <laughs> what about Love Is My Shepherd? Oh, God! <laughs> what about Home Tonight? Uh... No, I've only got I've only got three songs in the good category. Um, and what about love is all around? So, all, look, look, let's just just say this. My overall comments are: look, this is the this is the perfect epitome of what a a guilty pleasure is, but b 100%, the sound play. of the nineties is wow. this album. Marty Pello, some boy. He can sing though. Let's be fair to Marty. He can sing. He had his problems. He had his big problems. Did you? I read an article saying that he had a more successful solo career after Wet Wet Wet. Did he? There was all that rehab stuff. Alleged. It's not allegedly. It's not allegedly. Um, so it's the sound of 90s love and heartbreak. Chuck it in into any 90s rom-com. Any of those songs will fit perfectly into that. Um, it's okay. It's cheesy. It's very same same and very formulaic. I found as well. I'm like, ah, this sounds exactly the same. Three out of ten. So I gave it four out of ten. What did you give it four out of ten? You read point for effort. Oh. <laughs> point for being Scottish. Okay. Point for getting through rehab. <laughs> and one for the songs. <laughs> Get it out of the way before Manson. Get this out of the way. See that's. That's what you're doing. So I liked. I liked that. That was. I, I'm not, actually that. I didn't like that, Sarah. I got to be honest. I listened to that and I was like, "Oh, this is tough. This is a real tough." But it, honestly, it's the epitome of a guilty. It's, it's perfect guilty pleasure. Well done, Sarah. Nailed, nailed, it, nailed it, Sarah. This one, I don't know if it is a guilty pleasure. To be honest, we got is uh, with an American band, The Smashing Pumpkins. Now, what album? Melancholy. That's amazing. And the infinite sadness. I haven't listened to this in. I can't remember. I had singles to this album, but I I'm think not I sure. remember. I like this album. So it's got oh. um, tonight, tonight on it. It's, it's got nineteen seventy nine. Tonight, tonight, tonight. <laughs> it's two CDs, so we've got to go through like twenty four songs on this thing. Is he? This better be better than Sam Fender. I swear to God. <laughs> No one came at us for that. That was good. Why do you think that is? Mm, it's fair, fair. All right, so next week, Smashing Pumpkins. Lovely. Yeah, something a bit different. And then three more to go. Britpop one-liners. Britpop one-liners. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of junk. No, that'd be funny. No, that'd be funny. Embrace. Bring it. Embrace retweeted it, so we got heaps. So, did they? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> did you think it was Danny? <laughs> <laughs> and they retweeted it. And oh, then some of our listeners who weren't the biggest fans of Embrace have commented on it. And I'm like, ooh, you'll see. So, Matt, a Britpop tribute band fronted by an egomaniacal... Um, manic... 
I can't even say it. Ego maniacal. <laughs> What's wrong with my brain? Vocalist so flat and fatuous he makes Simon Le Bon sound like a rock singer. Mm. Neil McCormack. Simon Le Bon a rock singer. I am surprised nobody's thrown us out about a Duran Duran. It's a guilty pleasure. Good point. That's coming then. Anyway, yep. Ian, vocally like a bottle of fizz that was opened a week ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good, but it's mm-hmm. not true. Chris, a support band I'd probably turn up for. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, best song is a Coldplay song. Well, we'll find it's not out. Go- it's, not go- <laughs> it's not going well so far. Pop and roll star, I would love to hate them, but I don't. Okay. Brass, not really enough Embrace fans here in the US. But they're one of my faves and 100% belong in your top 10. And can we talk about what an underappreciated Richard McNamara is? Wow. Niall made an epically brilliant debut while still leaving their best song off the album. When asked what that song was, it's a song called Blind. Which I need to listen to. Yeah, same. Apparently it's brilliant. Imran, an underrated uh, band... Local guy, the, the Good Will Out is a belting album. What I mean is, I belted out every song at the top of my voice. I listened to it relentlessly driving to Yorkshire from Sussex and back. Always arriving a little hoarse. Oh. You do, though. It's that kind oh, of... It's, it's a, yeah. Michael, me and the Wise Band, great. They are now getting some overdue respect. Oh. DJ NDT, Less Laddish Terrace Anthems. Yeah, because... Oh, yeah. yeah. Julie, amazing live with the best fans in the world. Oh. Sharon, the most underrated and unappreciated band in the world with the most amazing songs and a fantastic group of loyal fans. Oh. Mark, hugely underrated, fantastic again at Shine On last week. Jason, fantastic band, some absolutely awesome timeless classics, even better live. Um, at Embrace, totally underrated. KP Marmite. Oh, no. Compare and embrace to Marmite. Um, Tom, a force for good. Uh, Viviana, they make my life a better place to live. Oh, wow. Voice like a farmer. The band that that have been a huge part of my life over 20 years. Anthem after anthem. AFC Bam, come back to what you know is such a great song. Mm -hmm. Andrew, underrated and still knocking out great tunes. UK Bootlegs, a band that love their fans. Check out their secret gigs, including Mallorca. Mixed bag, Kev. Mixed bag. I'll put all the bad ones up front so you could get past I them like into that. the nice stuff. Because now I've forgotten. Yeah, you forgot about the bad yeah, ones. Fine. You ready for... You got it out of your system. This is it. This is all good okay, positivity from now on. Wouldn't mind another gin, though, but that's fine. We can pause and you get another gin. Yeah, can we do that? Yeah, okay, yeah, we'll okay, pause. Cool. Yeah. All right, second gin and tonics, ready to go. Happy? Smashing all right. <laughs> Lovely. It's this new gin. What do you mean, new gin? Well, it's a flavour. Um, frankincense and myrrh for Christmas. Edinburgh gin. Wait, what? What do you mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's flavour? I got it as a gift. It's frankincense and myrrh. That's the flavour? Yeah. Or that's the company? Yeah. Tastes like Jesus. It does. <laughs> <laughs> it's Christmas. That's what it's for. Give us a taste. Do this on the, on the old pod. This will translate really well. I hate gin. I love it. That's not bad. It's nice, isn't it? That's quite nice. Oh, That's yeah. really refreshing, actually. Oh, I know. Lovely. Oh, but then you always get the gin aftertaste. It's really dry and... I don't, because t- I just drink quick. 
You so keep drinking. As soon as that's coming, I take it on. <laughs> There's no time for that. Right, let's get into this week's album. It's Attack of the Great Lantern by Manson. Oh, describe the album cover to me. So, blue. Yeah. With like green, yellow sort of bits in the background. Manson's written in the front. And then, yeah. So flowers. It's- so it's, the, it's flowers, blue sort of uh, yep. lilac, purple colours. Um, flowers and then Manson in sort of this off yellow colour. Um, very eye-catching. It's very, very artistic cover. Um, what does the title mean? Do you know what it means? Oh, okay. Oh, oh. Go on then. Okay. Paul Draper said this. Well, the Grey Lantern is like a comic book hero. The album is about this village of people with really disgusting morals and the Grey Lantern sorts them out. I suppose the Grey Lantern's me. I wouldn't have a cape, but there are definitely characters on the record. Albert from Tax Loss, Chad, Dark Mavis. At the, al- at the end of the album, it all gets resolved and you find out who Mavis actually is. See? I've actually got it written down who it is there. I forgot it's there, so I know who it is. I'll have to remember, Mavis. I'll have oh, to I'm not going to forget, because I have literally thought this for years. Okay, so let me let me get through this. I'm going to put this page over there so we can come back to it. So it's released on the 17th of February, 1997. Uh, I was 16 when this came out. Yeah, I was 16. 16. Yeah, yeah, I was 16. Uh, this is Manson's debut album. What followed it was six, which we will talk about, which got to number six in 1998. The label is Parlophone. The producer was Paul Draper, Ian Capel, Mark Spike Stent. So I haven't heard of, of Ian or, or, or um, Mark before. Ian, done the Boo Radley's King Size, JJ72, Suede Sci-Fi Lullabies. Most recently worked a heap with Tricky, your boy I Tricky. I love Tricky. Yeah. Mark has worked with everyone, Madonna, Marshmallow. What's your thoughts on Marshmallow? What do you think my thoughts are on Marshmallow? If I wanted to listen to an alarm <laughs> clock. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously. Awful. Oh, it's just bad. Really, it's everything that's wrong with dance music today, I would say. I'd say so. Yeah. You two, Beyonce, Bjork, Depeche Mode, Grimes, Ed Sheeran, Harry Styles, Frank Ocean. I mean, the list. Kaiser Chiefs, Linkin Park. Ev- I love Frank Ocean. Do you? love Frank Ocean. Really? Great. I've never talked about him before. Okay. Anyway. Right, so he's worked with heaps. It's uh, 62 minutes long with a, 11 tracks with a hidden track. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a proper hidden track too. Chart position, number one, right? It knocked off Blur by Blur, which had come out on the same label. So think about that for a second, right? Okay, so it got... Blur, that had the song two on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, had Beetle Bum on it Manson debut album knocked that off do you know why? because it's amazing because it's a better album <laughs> it is it is no I agree I totally agree with you but you wouldn't expect that to happen you're probably your record label Parlophone is going what the hell just happened mm-hmm. okay alright how long was it in the chart though? 37 weeks oh 31 oh nearly <laughs> it's gonna happen it's gonna happen by the end of the season you're gonna get it 
All right, you ready for the charts? Yes. I cannot throw that bit of paper away because that's got dark mavis. Oh! Don't show me. Don't look over there. Oh, God. Right, you ready? Albums. Blue is a Colour by Beautiful South. That amazing Britpop band. <laughs> Ocean Drive by the Lighthouse Family. Oh, God, the worst guilty pleasure we've had. Yeah, it was mine. Sorry about that. Eight, Drawn to the Deep End by Gene. Oh, what, oh, an, what album. an album. We covered that. Evita. The soundtrack? No. Les? They should just talk to each other, not sing to each other, 100%. Right? I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. Uh, number six, White on Blonde by Texas. Oh, no. That's number two. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> Can you imagine? Holy crap. In, uh, the new, in the new definition. Of what? Indie? They wouldn't fit. You're shoehorning them even into that. <laughs> just because you want to talk Don't about Don't come out of the uh, five tragic tragic K- kingdom by no doubt. Oh, good on. Four blur by blur. This is not a bad chart. Three spice by the Spice Girls. Okay, take it back. You ready? This number two, the Smurf hits nineteen ninety seven volume one, which makes me think there's, there's more. One, yeah, there's more. And then one, you've got Attack of the Grey Lantern. Amazing singles. Uh, number ten, the day we find love by nine one one. <laughs> Nine, Remember Me by Blue Boy Amazing Remember me bum, 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 I'm the one bum, bum, who had your baby child Eight, I Shot the Sheriff by Warren G I didn't know he covered that Yeah You only know Regulate by Warren G That was it Number seven, a band we have not talked about Swallowed by Bush Oh, Swallowed Hallowed. Would you stop sneezing? What's going on with you? You're doing a good job. Doing a good job. You've got a quiet sneeze. Um, I always, and this is, we talked about them briefly before. I always thought they were American and they're not. Are they not? No, they're from the UK. Who knew? I know, they were massive. Um, Don't Let Go by On Vogue. I love that song so <laughs> Alone by the Bee Gees. Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, where Do You Go by No Mercy? Where do you go, my lovely? What's your problem with this song? That he calls her his lovely? Cut the whole thing. But that's exceedingly annoying. You Got the Love by The Source featuring Candy Station. What a song. Is that the... You got the love, Love. I need to see me Sometimes I feel I throw my hands up in the air. The Florence cover is amazing. (laughs) Number two. Oh, bangers. Encore and Foie by Sash. Encore and Foie! Chav music. It's not chap. It is. Alright, maybe. Maybe. It's Foxhall Astro music. Oh, I'm just trying to think of the car our old mate used to have. Windows down, used to bang that one out. Mm, mm. And then number one is Don't Speak by No Doubt. Oh my god, I love that. It's got such memories for me. It's got on with No Doubt. It's still about. I don't know. Gwen. She went and did her own thing. Oh yeah, she went solo. Of course she did. She was massive solo. Yeah, of course. I saw her live at Tina Park. Did you? Yeah, or was it no doubt, or was it just her? She, we were there. Me and you? Uh-huh. So? And she climbed, do you not remember? And she climbed, so you know how like this, the, they've got the speakers on the side and there's like the scaffolding kind of? Yeah. She climbed the whole thing. And I was like, she's going to fall. And then they had to help her down. No way. Yeah, do you remember that? I remember the having to help her down part. Wow. There you go. Right. Album. So Manson. 
Oh, this is going to be hard. My favourite band... I mean, so, let me see. Are they my favourite band of all time? No. Were they my favourite band at that time? Yes. Yes, By far and away, I was besotted. You got me into them. I did, I did. So, they were the band, my favourite band at that time, but ultimately they broke my heart. And I I teed that one up last week. We're going to go through that. What happened? Um, So, let's start with the band. Formed in Chester in 1995. So we've got guitarist Paul Draper and vocalist. You've got bassist Stove King, whose real name is Steve. Stove is apparently a typo on his birth certificate, so everyone calls him Stove. Amazing. Which is so Amazing. British nicknames, like just I love it. Yeah. Um, you've got backing vocalist and lead guitarist Dominic Chad and drummer Andy Rathbone. Okay, so it all started with Paul and Stove. In the early 90s, they worked for rival printing companies on the same industrial estate, became mates and started doing gigs and playing music together. Paul was already in a group called Grind. What's your thoughts on a band name called Grind? Grind. It's not bad. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. It's a bit creepy now, a bit lechy. Yeah, a little bit. A bit, bit grind. grind. It's like an R&B It's a bit R. Kelly, isn't it? No. I don't see nothing wrong with a little bump and grind. I do if you're 14. <laughs> Have you watched it yet? I've watched it. I couldn't. It's harsh, isn't it? It's not right. It's not right at all. Um, also, Grind released one single in 1991 and did some gigs around London. Grind split in 95 where Paul had... So, get this. Paul had been given a government music grant. So, yeah. he set up his own music company called Ambience Productions, which was... They released relaxation tapes. You know when you walk into the what would you call those stores? You know where the the health and well being, the old mm. smell of incense, that stuff. Yeah. Wow. Um, so back to Stove and Paul, they became friends with Dominic, who worked at the pub opposite where they worked. So they had everything but a drummer. It didn't matter anyway because they used a drum machine instead. Yeah. So a lot of the album is actually automated, and they've went back and, and re-recorded it. So they went into Crash Recording Studios where they recorded the demos, Take It Easy Chicken, Skin Up, Pin Up, Moronica, and She Makes My Nose Bleed. So, the band were initially called Grey Lantern. So after Draper's DC Comics-influenced alter ego. Do you know who the Green Lantern is? No, I do actually. Hold on. Um, No. <laughs> I, you know what? I would I would give you this challenge. I couldn't even do it. So the Green Lantern, which is uh, is that a superhero? It's a superhero. He's a lantern. What? There's a, there's a whole. Th- I'm not going into it. It's really complicated. I'm not going to bother. Oh, I do know. Ryan Reynolds played him. Thank you. Yeah. So he done. People had been wanting this movie for ages. Now, granted, I wasn't a big Green Lantern. Um, comic book fan he's not one of the guys I sort of go to that's good news but I rallied all my friends to go and see the Green Lantern movie there's about 12 of us going to see this movie I still where was my invite to, mm. I think it's self-explanatory okay yeah yeah uh, I still get shit for the fact that I took them to Green Lantern mm. I still whenever someone makes a reference to a bad movie or a crap movie I still get dragged into the conversation for suggesting that we went to see Green it is atrocious 
right? Really? It is seriously the one of the. Uh, it's so bad. Even Ryan Reynolds is. Uh, he's, he's apologized for it. It is that bad. So bad. If anyone likes Green Lantern, the movie out there, shall I check it on IMDb? I yes, please. I guarantee a five. It's bad. It's really bad. Okay. So anyway, Grey, Grey Lantern was his sort of alter ego. Apparently, Paul um, is quite introverted and struggled on stage. So he created this sort of persona, apparently, called the Grey Lantern. And that's how he got through some of his early performances. Um, Blake Lively in it? Is that yes. where they met? Yes, it is. Five and a half out of ten. That's bad. It's, it's so bad. It's, it's terrible. I don't think even, like, no comment. Yeah. Uh, so, now, so they were originally called Grey Lantern. They moved to Manson, as in Charles Manson. So it was originally M-A-N-S-O-N. Was he a superhero? No, no, no. We all know who Charles Manson is. What? I mean, so obviously they changed it. Documentary about him on Netflix, you should watch it. Is there? Wow. I still... Sidetrack. I don't understand how you could. I guess that's why it's cult, but I don't know how you could ever get sucked into that. Like, if someone was trying to get me into. Could you imagine someone trying to get me into a cult? Just imagine my reaction to that. What, pal? You want me to do what? No. Like, I don't. Depends what the message is. It wouldn't matter. Oh, I, I can. I know. Well, not that I'm, I'm pretty much the same as you, right? But I can see how. Mind you, if it was Liam Gallagher. So Liam Gallagher went. You know what? I'm going to create my own belief system, and we're going to go out and we're going to live in a field. Get and we're my going oasis to be goggles on. I'll give you a concert once a week. I'm in. You're in. You're done. What do you want me to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyway, Matt, the the name Manson spelt as in Charles Manson. So apparently the estate reached out to him and went, actually, you can't do that. Uh, I mean, to be fair, it should have been on the band themselves to go. It's probably not the best idea we, we go out with that name. But anyway, we got Manson with a U, right? Now, this is where I get involved. So the Take It Easy Chicken single. Beep, boop, boop, beep. Yeah, the start of it. Yeah, yeah well done. That's awesome. Um, or the two EP came out in September '95. Now, so it was pay- Manson paid for it themselves. It got the attention of Radio One, Parlophone Records, and me. Apparently, there's some vinyl pressings with the old spelling of Manson. Must be incredibly rare and, and hard to get. So Radio One, Steve Lomack and John Peel played them heaps. So much so the band were worried because they didn't even have a drummer or hadn't even played live together yet. Draper said, I couldn't believe when we first heard them play the song. We'd never even played a gig, could hardly play live, and we had no record deal. So they shuffled around, shuffled a few drummers as he started to play live. When Andy came in permanently in 1996, he originally played in rock bands. So <laughs> apparently he'd said no to them heaps of times because they played, quote, Britpop shite. <laughs> he changed his mind though when he heard Wide Open Space. And the lineup, that was it. They were locked in, right? Apparently, his first ever time playing with the band was on TFI Friday. Oh, yeah, right. That's insane, right? That is Come John, like, like, yeah, such a big deal. Telly, big crowd, hugely popular show. 
Anyway, so Parlophone won the battle to sign them, however, originally put them under a subsidiary Regal Recordings and released the one EP before moving them back under the main record label, right, to be on the likes with Blur. From the Independent in January 97, we're a weird signing for Parlophone Records' Paul Draper, the band's singer, songwriter and guitarist. They cottoned on quite early that we weren't just some pop group. We said, you give us some space and we'll metaphors, metamorphose, metamorphose? Metamorphous into a huge stadium rock band that you desire and they believed us. The stupid twats. So imagine saying that about your record label in 97. So rock and roll. So rock and roll. So rock and roll. Me. Alright, so I remember walking into Virgin. I remember going to the listening stands. I know I remember exactly what it looks like. I remember picking up the green CD single of Take It Easy Chicken. And I remember hearing it. Now, so it's I, I don't know. I don't know how you... Was there a band for you that you... So, yes, you've got the Oasis and the Roses. Mm-hmm. Is there a band that you sort of feel is something that maybe you only found or you were one of the early adopters or you have this unique attachment to because they're slightly smaller and less popular? The Cranberries. Really? Before they went big, did you sort of how? Loved them for years, like, but no one ever spoke. But like, who listened to the Cranberries apart from me? Not me. Yeah. Um, smaller. Um, like to some degree, embrace because I think I got most people into embrace. Actually, embrace is a really good example because I remember you having to to fight to to mm. get embrace over with us. I yeah. remember it because especially me, I was like there was throw away from me at that time yeah yeah okay so so this was my this that was manson for me yeah right so 100 it was so i remember buying that cd and playing it non-stop like i just loved it so much and i found this this band i remember no one giving a shit about it no one caring <laughs> no one liked manson apart from me now i was already a little bit unique because i if you remember I had done the Echo Belly versus the Beatles argument, which didn't go down. How'd that go? Well. Not well, not well, not Who well. Who were you trying to say that Manson were better? Jimi Hendrix or something? <laughs> no, I didn't quite. I learned my lesson from Echo Belly. But I remember trying so hard to get everyone interested in Manson. It was so hard, so hard. And even getting them to, to uh, in the common room to get them to get played, pff, once in a blue moon. Once and it was only through me just nagging, so it was it was very much special and unique to me, and I got you converted through Dark Mavis, yes. which we'll talk to a bit later on. But so I fought all this hard ground to make Manson listen to, and started to get people to come around, and then Six came out, and I'll come back to that again, right? But when Six came out, I lost it, lost it, lost everyone, lost it, mm. right? So back to Manson, another EP. Which for some reason I didn't I didn't get the Florera um, EP, um, good radio airplay from that TFI early tar, early early tours, and the album came out. I think the album you can say surprised the hell out of everyone when it just went straight to number one, yeah. like totally unexpected. Um, one of the things that was interesting is Paul is down as a producer, uh, and he was asked about you know how did you find producing your first record. And he goes, I was in the band and I went into the studio and said, I want to produce these records. To be honest, the record company sort of laughed at me. 
but at least they were generous, generous enough to give us a nine-day tryout. I delivered five songs in that time, and I think they realised that I could do it. When they didn't throw me out, I just seized my chance. I made three or four Manson tracks that wound up on the first album in a week. That's fairly unusual for a band uh, to self-produce their debut album for a major label, is it not? Yeah, I suppose so. Like I said, my favourite artist ever is Prince, and when any interview you read about Paul Draper, Prince is mentioned, mm-hmm. right? And with his first record, he wanted to produce it and be in charge. Just like me, he had a friend who gave him regular access to the studio, so he learned about how it all worked. Although I wasn't very technical at the point that I produced the Manson albums, I did have the drive. Pausing for a second, the production on this album is tremendous. Oh, yeah. The transitions from track to track yes. are just brilliant. They're so different and unique, and they just work. So the production on this album, tick. Then you get six. So, uh, so how did Attack of the Grey Lantern go? It spent 19 weeks in the UK album charts and reached number one. So that's the top 40, right? So it reached number one in February 97. It sold over 100,000 copies in the UK, achieving gold status. It was ranked number 12 in Melody Maker's best album of the year in 97. And two singles from the album, Strip Vicar and Wide Open Spate, made the UK top 40 chart. Um, I bought all the singles. I harassed everyone to love them. The Common Room. I've got a note here that Les barely liked them because you had your Oasis goggles on. I just wanted to get Oasis goggles into the commentary. Yep. Uh, Let's talk about Six. So Six came out in September 1998. Paul was apparently suffering from writer's block so he took inspiration from books that Chad had taken out on them on tour. Such as 120 Days of Sodom by Mark A. Desad. Mm. The House at Pooh Corner by A.A. Milne, and Dianetics by L. Ron Hubbard. Dianetics. So hold on here a second. So you've got probably one of the most graphic books of all time in the Marquis de Sade, right? You've got Winnie the Pooh, and you've got Scientology. hmm Right, so... <laughs> no wonder this album's a car crash. It shows. This album is a mess. Right, here we go. Let's get into this. Right. Being a Girl was a great song. No. Being a Girl. No. Uh, so this is from uh, Waitereki on Rate Your Music. I'll start with something impartial, not my opinion. This one, uh, this one, like using the words of famous Polish poet, beautiful cathedral with no God inside. Great variety of elements and sounds do not fit into another. It has some beautiful moments, but as a whole, it is chaotic and does not impress me at all. Okay, so first of all, this is the most disappointing album of my entire existence. Wow! By far. More than wet, 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 picture this? I've, yeah. Okay. So let's picture this, let's picture this, right? And I'll, I'll flip it to you. So That's quite good. Picture this. Get that. Oh, yeah. That was amazing. So think. Give you a couple of minutes while you're swigging your gins and, gin and tonics. You finished. Second one now. Done. Put it down. Right. So. You're on the high mm-hmm. of Attack of the Grey Lantern. Yep. You loved it. You're passionate. You're supportive. Like, definitely, maybe. You've been preaching to the choir about your friends. They're starting to come around. Converted your best mate into liking them because of, you know, the acoustic Dark Mavis version. 
And then you see B and the girl on top of the pops. It's not a bad song. It's not a great one either. No, it's not, but it's yeah, being a girl. Being a girl. I remember. If I made in mind some playlist, it would be on it. Okay, good, good. Uh, but that's all. If I, so I remember, right? So you remember where I used to work? W. H. Smith, John Menzies. Yeah. Um, took it back full So not to that, took it back to HMB. But anyway, so um I remember buying the C D and going to where my mum worked, she worked at a local hospital, and what we, I would get a lift home, right? And I'd sit in the car and wait for her to finish work. So I was so excited, got in the car, put the CD in, and I'm like, cannot wait for this album, Bit. right? And I remember sitting there, looking at the album cover, which is a mess in itself, right? The album cover is just, mm-hmm. uh, it's just so many images, and it just, I... I just you look at the album cover and it tells you what you're going to get in the album straight away. It's it's a hodgepodge. It doesn't. It just doesn't make sense. And I remember listening to this and I remember the crushing feeling I had of just going, "What what happened? What happened?" Now, I will say that in pop culture now, I even saw a survey this year where Manson fans voted that. Better than Attack of the Grey Lantern. That's insane. This album, Six has grown in status because of the complexity of the album and the progressive rock and all this sort of stuff. So it's, it's become to be an underappreciated album that has grown in status, right? Not for me. I'm, have you got? Have you felt better about it over I the years? I felt worse about it. Wow. I felt... I still feel... I remember the disappointment I have there and there are albums that get better with 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 re-listens. This is not one of those albums. In fact, wow. it makes, yeah, it's really bizarre. Um, so, Pitchfork, Pitchfork reviewed this and they have it at a 7.8. When making a concept album, a band walks the razor-sharp line between Kiss, Music From, The Elder, and Radiohead's, Radiohead's OK Computer. With a truckload of chutzpah, Manson walks this tightrope for over an hour, teetering to either side, constantly looking to fall off. From moment to moment, they can be ridiculous or beautiful, artistic or fluff. The chills and thrills of hearing them perform such a stunt is worth hunting down an import. So, even they hint at it, that it's this very different, unique sounding album. Um, There's one song on this album which I go, I'll take that and I'll put it onto a playlist, which is Legacy. Which is a phenomenal oh. song, like which is the way that album should have sounded. Um, Les, what did you think you gave six? Oh, five. Bang on. What did you think I gave? After that. No, no, no. I, I was really kind to this album. Five. I gave it a seven. What? I agree with you. It's a five. Because I've re-listened re- to it again through this process and it took me and I went, I gave it a seven? What the hell was I thinking? I had my Manson goggles on. Oh. Because I think also, you know, I'd love to talk about this album in way more detail because there's a lot to it. And I know I'm just giving my opinion. Do you think Little Kicks is better? Let's talk about Little Kicks! So let me, let me, let's... I be- can only disappoint you and all the- Let's talk about what Six... So, Paul said in 2019 of Six. Six was a unique record at the time and didn't sound at all like what was going on in the charts or with other bands. Agreed. 
It was also a very complex record and needs to be listened to a few times to discover the complexity and melodies inside the structure. Agreed. It's polarised critics, some just didn't know what to make of it. Some I suspect gave it one listen and some that just wanted another Britpop record. This happens with albums that sometimes take time for people to appreciate. The Velvet Underground, for instance. But it's great that a whole new crop of musicians such as Blood Orange or Public Service Broadcasting have given the album longevity and a life of its own. The overall motivation and vision with Six was to make something at the height of Manson's fame that was not just commercial but challenging and unique. So we didn't just become another pop group of the day and Six, as well as the debut Attack of the Grey Lantern, have outlasted Manson. And that's great. It feels like Six has grown with stature over the years and assumed its cult status because, at the end of the day, it's a really, really good record. What's your thoughts on that? He obviously loves it. I think you've got to. I mean, look, I did read some quotes from them and and the band members that agree with the sentiment around that, that it was an album that was... There's a lot going on in that album. There's a lot going on internally with the band around that time frame. I agree they created something unique. I agree that it's it's definitely an album that when you put on today, you can't tell that you know it's thirty something years old now. So it's actually something quite fresh, I should say. Like it sounds unique, but no, I don't like it. Right, should we get on to the little kicks then? Oh, that's a shame. August two thousand. So. Enemy, what do you think they give little kicks? Oh, I don't think they liked it. They? One and a half out of five. I didn't mind little kicks. I mean, yeah. If Attack of the Grey Lantern was a trip and Six was a panic attack, then little kicks is just cold turkey. Mature, mainstream and utterly predictable, the band that once promised us the world have delivered us yet more lame, cripplingly self-referential, puffed-up, headache-inducing... Late manic style retro, retro indie pop from vital to utterly redundant in just three albums. What a horrendous cock up. So I, wow. Yeah. So Paul was asked, was it your third album, Little Kicks, that ended the band? That album was basically just some demos and bits and bobs that we'd initially rejected. The managers just needed to collect their advantage. It was as simple as that. It should have never come out. But me and the guitarist did not work together, so I couldn't have a conversation with him to say, let's get this right. Because we were so lost at the record company, they put it out anyway. It had a hit single with I Can Only Disappoint You, but in my eyes, that wasn't my album. I was steamrolled into doing it. We were told in no uncertain terms, you make a pop record or you can fuck off. So, Little Kicks. I like this album. To me, it it sounded... Like what I wanted from their follow-up album. Mm. And it it actually has some really, really good songs on it. Electric Man is one of my favourite Manson songs. Yeah, right. It's fantastic. Soundtrack for Two Lovers, Forgive Me, Fool. It's actually got some really good songs on it. Um, I gave it a seven, you gave it a five. Would you... You gave it the same rating as six. I'd probably give it a six. Okay. You'd give... Little kicks of six, and six, six of five. five. Yep. Good. All right. Okay. Um, Paul was removed from producer duties with the label wanting the album to be independently, locally, fr- radio friendly. It shows it's a much more straightforward album, just song after so- song, 
I will say I miss the transitions and the production of Six and Attack of the Grey Lanterns. Like it, Lantern. It just feels like mm-hmm. it's just one song after another. There's no transitions. There's nothing special about it. Post Little Kicks. Paul refused to tour the album and he was diagnosed with cancer. Did you know this? I did not know that. So during the fourth album recording sessions, after a blister appeared on his left uh, hand middle finger that kept bleeding, he visited a local doctor who took a sample of tissue from the finger. It was confirmed that it was malignant and was shown as a paranoid malignancy. And Draper responded positively to five cycles of chemo how he was unable to play for several months after his finger swelled after treatment. You're a guitarist mm. and you've just found out you've got cancer in your hand. Yeah, no. That's devastating on so many, devastating. Different, so many different reasons. A lot of trouble creating the fourth album that would later be the first CD on Kleptomania. They officially announced the split on the 2nd of May 2003 with this press release stating that the band decided to call it a day after realising that the life of the group had come to an end. There's a whole bunch of stuff on why they broke up. There is a lot of stuff between between Chad and Paul. He said, he said, back and forth, back and forth. So it's kind of hard to sort of find out what Mm -hmm. the real reason actually is. Basically, they just couldn't work together anymore. Pop Matters. Over the years, I had read about friction between you and Stove King, the bassist, but I wasn't as aware of the friction between you and Dominic Chad. The two of them were buddies. Oh, yeah, so this is Paul. The two of them were buddies. We'd met around Chester to get the band together. It was my thing, and I was writing and producing the songs. I thought everyone was cool with that, but when it got down to it, the other two wanted me out of the way. But they're out of the industry now. Well, like I said, they found out the hard way. They were deluded. They thought they were going to get rid of me and go to a record company and say, could you bring in a session writer, finance it and put it out for us? I'm sure you can imagine how that went over. They were completely out of their minds. Um, Kleptomania. When was the last time you listened to this? Have you listened to it? I have, but I haven't for years. Did you listen to it? No. I love Kleptomania. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, it's probably my second favorite Manson album. Really? Yeah. Um, it is such a shame. What album's got negative on it? That's six. Yeah, it's good. Ask you some. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so back to Kleptomania, Pop Matters again, right? So how in the world did Kleptomania, the aborted fourth album sessions, even come to be given the state of the band at this point? After they failed to convince the label to bankroll session recordings, they were told to sort it out with me. In the, their delusion of grandeur, they decided that they were still going to sack me, but weren't going to tell me. They essentially wanted me to come into the studio to make a record for them. That's what the Kleptomania sessions were. As soon as I realised what was happening, I walked out, it was dark and it took me a long time to go over that. Which probably explains a lot after the album because the, there's, Paul goes into doing his own own thing. Um, I love if you If no one has listened to Kleptomania by Manson, go and listen to it. It is a really, really fantastic album that just deserves a lot more credit than what it actually gets. And you get two bonus CDs of, of unreleased material and B-sides and all this sort of stuff, which is just phenomenal. Um... What happened after they broke up? We got the best of Manson in 2006. 
great album. Yeah. Just, just a great, great album. Paul went on to create his own studio and worked with Skin. Have you heard of Comakino? Comakino? Kamakino? Catherine A.D., The Joy Formidable, and The Anchoress, whose debut album, Confessions of a Romance Novelist in 2013, won Guardian's Critics Album of the Year, won HMV's Welsh Album of the Year, and Best Newcomer at the Prog Awards, and a nomination for the Welsh Music Prize Award. So that's pretty cool. So that's pretty pretty good. Um, So after this, did we finally get... Um, his debut album finally got it. We got Spooky Action. What did you think of Spooky Action? I didn't mind it. Didn't I give it a seven? I think I, I think you gave it around the seven mark, and I said you were being too tough. Um, I gave it a nine. Insane. I, I've definitely got my Manson goggles on. It probably sits around the eight mark, but it is still an extremely strong. No, album. I remember enjoying it. Really, really good. So excess noise. Agree. They gave it an eight out of ten. On Spooky Action, Paul Draper utilises a kaleidoscope of stylistic approaches to gain perspective and convey his emotions. It's a brilliant recording display, all of, uh, displaying all of Draper's creative abilities that have been dammed up for over a decade now and finally set free. Fans of Manson will be well pleased with the recording and if the fickle fates are kind, Spooky Action will drop many new admirers. Totally agree. It's a fantastic album. It's a fantastic kind of circle back onto my love of Manson, where you go through this roller coaster, and eventually you get what Manson could have been and could have sounded like. Some of those songs on that on that album are fantastic. That's my love affair with Manson. What's your thoughts? Um, it's been a tough one, hasn't it? It's been. Up and down, it's had its moments. You know, you've got together, you broke up. <laughs> um, you got back together briefly. Broke up again. Broke up again. I think the bro- had a last fling, and then with the best off, just realised what you could have had. Oh, it's tough in it. But you still walked away. Mhm. Mhm. That's tough. Still play Manson all the time. Still listen to Manson all the time. For some reason, I just can't. I can't listen to Six. I, just, I you're really, that angry, aren't you? I, re- I am. Do I, you think you're judging that album now based on the feeling as opposed to the music? I'm going to go back and listen to Six. Okay, go again. See if you give it a five. See if I give it a five. I think you're right. I don't remember. I remember not liking Six when it came out because, to your point, you like Attack of the Grey Lantern is such a good album that you're expecting something similar or better mm-hmm. um, and it's neither no and it's probably then I wonder if my like my memory of it and then listening to it briefly for this exercise I probably was like you and just I don't I know I don't like this but I'll give it a crack at five um, whereas now thinking about like two songs that I rattled off like being a girl's not bad and negative's a good song mm-hmm. so then I'm like mm. I I think I don't I look at I've tried to love this album so much and don't get me wrong, it's not... Yeah, you're right, there's probably a personal aspect to it as well, which isn't fair. It probably doesn't talk to the music enough. But that's hard. That's When your favourite band puts out an album that you don't like, it just it just changes everything, right? And so, I don't know. I mean, let's, let's flip this, right? So, uh, if we talk about Oasis's Standing on the Shore of Giants, 
maybe for no, you? No, I didn't mind that. Probably something along the lines of like heathen chemistry or dig your own. So like I don't. Okay. But then I, I, but I'm also okay with, I think that's different. I'm okay with that because it's end of career stuff and you kind of know every album's going to get worse in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Had What's the Story, Morning Glory felt to me like what Six did to you? Oh. Heartbreaking. I don't know what I'd do. Yeah, yeah. Um, to some extent embraces career. Yeah, okay. But still not again, I don't know, like, yeah. I'm trying to think of that example where it's like I've heard it and thought, that is rubbish, what was that about? Um, I remember, and this is a thing, I, if I do the opposite where I go, so there are albums that I remember from my youth. I remember playing them. So, um, Beastie Boys, Hello Nasty. I know you're not a Beastie Boys fan, but I remember buying that album. I remember the, the album cover, which is fantastic. I remember going home and sitting in my living room and put it on the stereo and I remember how I felt, how happy I felt with that album, right? Because it was it was awesome. It was such a great album. But on the flip side, I remember sitting in a car park listening to Six for the first time wow. and going, what, what happened? So two things. First of all, I want to hear from people. I want to hear about people's thoughts on the Six album. Which I would love to do an episode purely around that. And maybe, you know, we'll dig into it. Maybe my view may change a little bit. But I want to hear from Manson fans that went through the, their career. And we've talked about some of the albums. But the second part is, I genuinely want to know that the albums that broke your heart. Albums that broke... I'm going to think about that for next week. So let me... I'll, I'll tweet it. Let's get it out there. Albums that broke your heart. Hmm. Let you down disappointed you turned you off a band changed your opinion on the band oh no an album that you can't listen to anymore oh what a topic what a topic wow uh that's a hard one that's one that you need to think about i need, you need to think time about. you need time uh shall we get into this the actual songs oh yeah okay all right so let's talk about the single. So Egg Shaped Fred was released on the 25th of March 1996. It's a black and white video uh, spliced between live footage and them sitting on the sofa. Manson videos are so 90s looking. Like, you know how some yeah. don't age? They look 90s. Stripper Vicar, 9th of September 96. The band play uh, in a church courtyard. Wide Open Space, 25th of November 96. The band play... Right. The band play while spliced with Martino Lazzari, right? He was in Hollyoaks and Grange Hill. You saw, oh, if you saw his face, you'd recognise okay. exactly who he is. Walking around the city at night, then he turns into a vampire, spying on Manson playing in a room, and then he heads to a graveyard where the sun rises and he sort of disintegrates in the way a vampire should. It's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, can we talk about very very quickly the perfecto mix of Wide Open Space oh god it's amazing it's amazing one of the very few Britpop songs that just work remember hearing that in the club like oh just tremendous She Makes My Nose Bleed released on the 3rd of Feb 97 the band it's in black and white the band all are really dressed up in suits Paul Draper looks like a skinny David Brent that's hilarious he really does Tax loss. Do you remember the video to tax loss? No. What? It's amazing. I? So, directed by Roman Coppola, son of Francis Ford, who obviously you know, the band dropped £25,000 in Liverpool Street train station 
first thing in the morning at peak hour. You can't remember this video at all. I'm trying to think. It's like they're on the balconies, people are doing their thing, rushing to trains, and then they just start launching these five pound notes. Yes, 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 yes. And people like scurry. So the video is really clever. It shows you the prep for the day and then the incident, and then it talks about the media coverage after that. I dare say music videos would have cost a lot more than £25,000 and the amount of coverage they got was phenomenal for that. Oh, so good, so good. Let's get into the actual tracks, Les. Let's. The Chad Who Loved Me. Did you know... Oh, we're off and running. ...that this song was originally entitled Desperate Icons. Wow, okay. A song that Paul had began writing quite a few years as a teenager before the album's release. After it added the strings to the beginning of the track, it started to sound like a James Bond theme, so we changed its title to something slightly more humorous. Each Manson album started and ended with the same style of track, something I thought I'd be able to continue through all our records, so they became like a journey from start to finish. The opening string section on the album also closes the album, although different takes. It was complex to work out how to piece all this together like a jigsaw, but great fun. The mastering engineer didn't think so, though. Do you know that? No, I didn't know icons that. Until the until the, the child who loved me is better. Yes. So the child who loved me, right? Is there a better better album intro? Yes. Go on. Millions. Bollocks. Millions. I'll fight you. I'm not a massive. What? Like the song, don't start. I'd give it seven and a half. But and I like the strings starting it off. But when it gets, mm, it's okay. It's okay. It's good. Good song. I don't think it's the. I don't think it's the best opening track. But you clearly do, so I'm going to be nice. <laughs> I disagree. This is my favorite one. I don't want to say it's my favorite, but it's one of my favorite album. And the strings. The strings are amazing. The slow strum of the guitar, and then just when everything hits, it is phenomenal. Which is why I'm playing this. Go on then. I'm going to play this song in full. This song, I've wrote one word. Glorious. Wow. It is. So the, the lyrics, am I a God or am I just Jesus? Am I a man or am I a boy? Do I feel love or just possession? Do I feel holy or nothing at all? You can't deny that your shit just tastes as sweet as mine. And you can't deny that your shit just tastes as sweet as mine, sweet Jesus. It's phenomenal. Whoa. Yeah, so full on. So Paul Banks and Song Meanings. This song is just a reason for why... Of the three months in 1997, Manson ruled the known world. Love this song. Go brilliant, on. brilliant playing it.
Manson's only love song. So, what's your thoughts on this one? Great song. Love the electronic sound. Great guitar work. Mavis is in here. Oh my god, so good So Paul said At the start of recording sessions for the album I decided there would be no love songs on this album Or any Manson album We stuck with that philosophy for for the first two albums Although this song sat neatly with the narrative of the plot I thought I'd challenge my own rule in the song I remember the chorus being really, really emotional And I still feels like that now This was the last song we recorded for the album I love this song. Good, I'm glad you do. Love it. Uh, I'm gonna play this. My least favourite on the album. Bollocks! No, no. It's just a rip off of the Beatles, Taxman, and it sounds like it. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. So, um. Taxman from Liverpool. It's from Liverpool. You should love it. You love everything from Liverpool. Don't do that face. What's that face? Did I do that face? To me, I want your money. I. What a great and what a great start to the song. The intro, the drum beat, it's actually really quite a dancey song. I love that they've played the full version of this song on the album as opposed to the radio edit. Um, obviously it's a nod to the Beatles with Taxman. Um, it's a sarcastic swipe at the music industry. Did you know that? Go on. Tax loss was originally 11 minutes long and encompassed my modus operandi of the time. This is Paul Draper speaking. Okay. Of jumping between genres and parody. After a lot of head scratching, it was cut down to seven minutes for the album and finally to a three minute radio track to accompany the fantastic video that you discussed. Yep. One of the funniest and finest things we've achieved. He was asked by Sick Magazine Is it fair to describe Manson as kind of a glam Beatles? I mean, tax loss was a real giveaway, but by no means the only reference. Paul, haha, great analogy. I would think that's a great way to put it. The Glam Beatles? The Glam Beatles. Love it. Love it. Uh, I love this. I love the fact that it's a full seven minutes. I'm definitely playing this. This was a toss-up. I would have played the whole song, but it's seven minutes. But it's a great... Great song. I remember the single. I remember getting the promo in the post and flying, having it up on my wall. Everything about it. Tax loss. We think you are 
you hate? Love, love, love the song. This, this is Manson in a different way. It's, it's... You've really surprised me with the this. The acoustic guitar. It's the sound of the acoustic guitar. It's the sound of the squeak of the fret. You can even hear his, like the mm. way his fingers go. I love that. Um, it's raw. It's stripped back. A lot of this album, to be fair, is a bit like a musical, right? Because we're talking about Mavis and they can be quite verbose as songs, right? Mm-hmm. This is stripped back. His voice in this song, stunning. Wow, okay, good. I absolutely love this song. Um, what he says about this song is, this was the earliest song I wrote for the album. You can tell from the lyric it's far from... It's from an earlier, more naive me. I was 15 when I wrote it, as I re- recollect, and kept it tucked away and always thought it would make a nice album track, and it did. My fondest memory of this track is playing all the instruments on it and being delighted with my drum take that I'd done in one go. Being a huge Prince fan, I loved the way he wrote, produced and played all the instruments on a track. This was the first commercially released track I got to do all of that on. Cool. You can tell. I, I love it. I'm so, so this this was your pick to play in full as well, right? It is. It just it's just different. It's, it's different. I think wide open space, tax loss. We'll get into other tracks. They're all you know. That's all Manson. Manson's what will you know of them? Yeah. This is different. Okay. This is a step change in this album. Okay. This is not doesn't fit. Okay. And I love it. Oh, well. On that note, we better play it. You, who do you hate? I could be you If I ever loved again 
Britpop track than this. It's so good, isn't it? Not even Britpop, right? So let's take that out. Of the 90s, mm-hmm. tell me if there's a more iconic track. Like, it's up there. It Who is. doesn't know that? This version and the Paul Confold remix. Yes, amazing. Like, who... So you had both. You had your guitar peeps, indie fans loving the, the actual version, and then you had the dance crowd loving the dance remix as well. So. He says, again, ploughing the religious imagery on this track, this song wasn't immediately a huge hit, but it seems to be remembered along with Tax Loss as the most well-known on the album. I remember being slightly off my tits in Ibiza when Paul Oakenfold's <laughs> remix came on in Pasha and it blew me away. Having been a huge dance music fan, it was really satisfying having a big club hit remix from the album to Great Days. I can still hit the falsetto. Just. Wow. Um, so from song meanings... This is this is grunge is due a comeback is the guy's handle. I think this is a song about loneliness like nothing out there ever was. It seems to be describing being lonely in a wide open space, open to everything and receiving nothing, or being affected by nothing since there is something quite bizarre I cannot see, or not attempting to grab life by the horns or take an opportunity, feeling as though there is no reason to even attempt to do anything because you're afraid. I kind of figured this since he said you'll never get to heaven with a smile on your face like saying only true human suffering offers redemption. Wow. How deep is that? Uh, what a song. It's just amazing. The great guitar work at two minutes. The Laz are awesome in this as well. Uh, the end, the transition into Stripper Vicar. Mm-hmm. And again, it's the transitions in this that just work. Um, I love Wide Open Space. It's an absolute classic. Wide open space. Stripper Vicar. So, do you want to know what Paul thinks? I think the middle eight on this one is the finest lyrical moment on the album. A bizarre pseudo-rap about a transvestite vicar who cross-dresses like his daughter. It seemed a good idea at the time. 
slightly subversive but seems a little tame by today's standards, where such things are pretty run-of-the-mill. Written in the form of a letter from the transvestite vicar to his daughter, it sort of deepens the plot of the album's narrative a bit before it's all resolved on the final track, Dark Mavis. The amount of times I've sat in pubs trying to explain to me what it's all about is mind-boggling, and in the midst of times, I'm not sure I can even remember myself. Go on then, this is the time. Mm-mm. No? I think the time's Dark Mavis. That's when you want to talk about I who Mavis is, even though Mavis is really referenced in the song. I want to wait. Okay. I want to wait. I just feel that we've got to get, you know, because I want to wait. Okay, so the writing in this, you forget how good the writing is in this song. So, Dear Mavis, I thought I'd follow up in my letter, drop a line about the fate of our poor vicar. Very tragically, his time on earth has ended. Found him gagged and bound in stockings and suspenders. Dear Mavis, if you tell us what your thoughts are, and I hope that they're not biased, because... The answer to who Mavis was. But we're not going to talk about that now. We're going to talk about it later. So Stripper Vicar. This was so good. This was must. This was up there with Muff. I know, I know. Love this song. You are disgusting. So it's a song about self-loathing. Um, this was supposed to be released over tax loss. Tax loss. What's your thoughts? Yes yeah. or tax loss? This. Really? Day. And like, so he says that I wrote the song in about twenty minutes, and we recorded it in a day at Par Street Studios in Liverpool. The next day, I came back, and Ronnie Stone, geez, our engineer producer, said to me the verse vocal was weak, so I recorded it. And that was the only change from the track that was completed in a day. He kept a record of the original vocal that is now being released on the outtake CD. And listening back, he was right. This was going to be the big single after the album was released to turn us into a huge pop group. But for some reason or another, it wasn't released and Tax Loss was put out instead. Mm. This is better. It's a stronger song. And actually, I meant to talk about it in the video. When you watch the video for Tax Loss, you get suckered into the actual video not the song. So the it's song is song. the song is like a soundtrack to the to the actual but you're watching the video, you're getting suckered into what's happening and the story that's being told, not the song. It's a very unusual thing. Um disgusting. You're the stranger in here with your stranger face. You know that everyone can see is false. Something's rotten with you, you show no regret, like we all know that you're supposed to do. I hope you've changed I hope you've changed the way you think. I hope you've changed the clothes you wear. I hope that you regret these things you say. Just so 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 good. Disgusting. 
We haven't, we haven't, we've played all the songs. Uh, she makes my nose bleed. Um, Paul says we recorded a 32 piece orchestra on this track, which we didn't even use in the end. Really? Such was the advice of the era. You can even hear the recording on the outtakes disc. This song was originally called She Makes Me Bleed and was one of the songs I played in my school band, a much earlier incarnation of Manson. Mm. The title was elongated as it seemed to seemed to Ernest and this whole track was the most long-winded and complicated to finish on the album. Our first top ten hit though, which is what the record company wanted. Strong song, like not one of the best. I like it, but... Good song. Not a skipper. Enjoy it. This is another reason why I loved Early Manson. This song, the chorus is excellent. And again, the move into to Naked Twister is, is just brilliant again. Uh, so bring her down on by the soles of her feet. Slapping around and making her bleed. A vow to my God, I'd give it all up. If, if he you could, could bring it all down from heaven. heaven. We're playing it. She makes my nose bleed. There's one song I'm not... Two songs I'm not going to play. One song. Naked Twister. So this was the song that secured us our record contract. I'd played the record companies a lot of the songs I accumulated over the years and I was asked to write a new one and go into the studio and record it in a day to see if we had what it took to make it. This was the song we recorded. I was planning ahead and already had the idea of a skit on a concept record already written down. This song does what it says on the tin and describes a particularly debauched night in the life of the characters on the record. His voice is amazing on this song. Mm. It's it's fantastic. Um, great run to the end and the drums are absolutely top notch. Um, 
What do you want to do about playing this one? Well, I prefer to play it than the next one, but it's your episode. Let's play Naked Twister. agree with you we shouldn't play egg shaped yes so great start to the song with egg shaped fred egg shaped fred it makes you really happy and it wants you makes you want to sing along the na 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 um i think it's good what have you got on that you got anything on that yep so having spent my formative years going to Nightclubs such as Cream in Liverpool and the Hacienda in Manchester, this really ignited my love for dance music and okay. Egg Shaped Fred was one of our early tracks where we jam our distorted guitars over drum loops from an um, S900 sampler. It was our early formula before we developed as a band and this was probably the best bunch of our early demos. Listening back to the lyrics, I'm reeling off characters from the fictitious small northern town where the album is set. Skin of my nose break, fat of my toothpaste, Penelope cheapskate, Claudia Farmgate. Not your average lyric for the era, really, but still makes me chuckle to this day that something so absurd hit number one and has built such a cult following over the years. Yeah, I mean, the lyrics are complete gibberish on this song, but it's a fun song. We're not going to play it. No. But, Dark Mavis. Wow. Go on, talk to me about this. He says, we originally recorded this song with a hip-hop groove and some exceptional swearing that was rejected by the record company. These versions appear on the outtakes disc of the box set and it's really interesting to hear these early versions and how we finally arrived at the finished version of this song that closed the album. I always thought the chords and melody movement were really complex on the song and I can only imagine they'll make a West End musical out of it in the end, (laughs) which would be a suitable ending to the life of this record, I think. We added the na-na-na outro at the last minute and had a huge choir of Liverpool's finest scallies turning up to sing the closing refrain on the album. At the very end, you can hear them singing Duncan Ferguson, Everton Centre Forward at the time. So I read that and I tried to listen. I can't hear it. I loved Duncan Ferguson. Wasn't he United? Uh Uh-huh. Dundee United was too. He was was a poster on my wall for a long time. That's right. Then he went to Rangers. Yes. And then he went Everton. Then all went downhill. Yeah, okay. I think he went to jail. When did he get hit? Did he, he headbutted someone? Who did he headbutt? Yeah. Um, uh, John McStay played for Falkirk, I'm sure. And he just headbutted Oof. him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Right. You know. As you This do. song, though, let's talk about this song because there's a lot about this song. I had this on one of my. Like, I, this is the best, one of the best final hurrahs ever. 
amazing. Let's be honest. This is one of my all-time favourite Manson songs. You got me into this, <laughs> but the acoustic version. I did. Which was what sing? It was on a sing. I think it's "She Makes My Nose Bleed" or something like that. Oh my Close god! Business, maybe I don't know. So one of the two. Yeah. It, close, it, it, it is insane how yeah, good they. Yeah, it's close for business. Yeah. And the dark Mavis is the reason I got into Manson. Full stop. And I absolutely love this song. Now, they talk about Dark Mavis being the song that basically tells us the story of Mavis. I might be really off track, and I probably think I am now when I've just we've gone through this. For years, I've thought that Mavis is the vicar. Right, okay. Talk to me about that. Why do you think that? But just some of the lyrics on Dark Mavis, like because of the well the title Dark Mavis. Mm-hmm. So you so Mavis when they talk about oh, you know, we really want your opinion, Mavis, and you're this and your dad's this and that, and then you talk about and then this song, being called Dark Mavis, with the lyrics, I went, it's an alter ego. It's Mavis. Oh, my God. Mavis is the vicar. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Please tell me I'm right, because it's been years. <laughs> I'm not right. The, 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 the funny thing is, right, so... It's too obvious the vicar's our dad, right? It's too obvious. Well, so the, the the funny thing is, I don't think there's an official sort of answer, right? So the quote, the very the very thing when I was talking about the Grey Lantern, right, and the, the very thing, you know, with uh, Paul was talking about it at the end, and quote at the end of the album, it all gets resolved, and you find Mavis is actually the stripper vicar. Oh, I knew it. But then it's contradicted because he was interviewed. Um, and he said, and well, the actual lyrics of Stripper Vicar is a letter to Mavis. Yeah, but it's just all in our head. It's all in our head. So I don't, I it's don't like know. Like an alter ego. So, um, so let's so let's just talk about this. Right? Okay, cool. So the lyrics of Dark Mavis, right? Yep. He's got high heels on his foot. Don't care now. Mavis, what he will wear. There is rubble where I stand, I'll be the one. You can kiss his vase at the end of the month. Vicar, stay, because your lipstick smeared from your face. And then I'm like, oh, Vicar, twist grey pyjamas in your case? And then it's Mavis, what he will wear. And then I was like that. Mavis, what will he wear? And I'm like, because that's saying, Mavis, what will he wear? He is Mavis. Right, okay. I don't think it's a question. I don't, it's like, Mavis, what will he wear? It's like... Um, Mavis, what will he wear? Because he is Mavis. Okay, got it. Huh. And then it's you can kiss his vase until the end of the month because your lipstick's moved from your face. In the path of righteous man, there's no where I stand. I'll be the one. I'll be the one. It's interesting you say that because Mavis there's there's good. a so. Just we'll wrap up dark Mavis. I, what a song, what a hurrah. I love the fact that you are now talking about hurrahs. I love it. <laughs> you gave me so much crap at the start of this podcast and now you, you compare everything to a hurrah. This is a 10 out of 10 song. It is. Oh, without doubt. Love the final run home. The strings, the na-na-na's, the... The strings, the way that the, he rounds the album back to the strings that open the album, that close the album. Genius. I hadn't listened to the album in, in a while, actually, and I got goosebumps. 
like actually just hearing the strings close the album out. I love this album. Um, we are going to play Dark Mavis in full to take us out because yeah. we love it so much. Now, there is a secret track mm-hmm. and I'm going to come back to the Dark Mavis thing. So there's a secret track called An Open Letter to the Lyrical Train Spotter, Train Spotter. It's a good song. Yeah, it's a good song. It's actually, you know, I like it. It's not For a secret f- track. Secret track, at least you get a song and it's not bad, right? Um, this was a quote from Paul. This was a hidden track on the album, as was the fashion in the CD era. It doesn't make sense in this era of streaming and the resurgence of vinyl. However, the idea of this track, track is to reinforce the idea that the album was a skit of a conceptual record. Not in fact one itself, which is obviously a paradox, which my younger self would have thought hilarious. This song leaves you with the sentiment of not taking the whole thing too seriously. It's just a bit of a joke. I still get asked regularly who the real Dark Mavis is, so it didn't really work. Mavis, what do you wear in the path of righteousness? There is rubble. It's th- Mavis is the vicar. Mavis is the vicar. I'll be the one. Okay. So let's see what everyone thinks. Is it? What have you thought? I don't know. I never really. It's gave... too obvious that it's the daughter because that's just only one song. Because what's Dark Mavis about then? Like I. This has got you in it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is your sixth moment. I don't know. I've never really, I've never really gone down who is a Mavis. Right? I have. What no. do you mean? No. Have you not? Because there's so many characters in his stories. I don't think you need to. F- I don't think there's. Yeah. there's so Penelope Cheapskate. You know. No, but Mavis oh. is recurring. Mavis is the. The whole album's about Mavis. Okay. All right. Who is Mavis? <laughs> So let's get into some reviews. Soundscape, NMN, MNM, one out of five. This band kept getting name dropped from other groups I've been checking out lately, so on some blogs. And the word progressive rock showed up, including here. I'm pretty confused as to why the P word is given to them now having heard this. Oh man, this is totally fucking boring. Very much the predecessor to the likes of South, Elbow and some others. Except I'm thinking those other boy bands avoided a bit of what's wrong with this. I suppose if this is what's regarded as Brit Rock, Brit Rock, specifically late 90s Brit Rock, it might be pretty good for that. But if that's the case, that entire style puts me to sleep. Oofed. Stilton 2 out of 5. I liked this a lot when it first came out, but listening to it again recently, I found myself admiring the way the record's been put together and like a lot of the noises it makes, but also wanting to kick every band member in the face. They just seem like a bunch of annoying twats, which is a shame. Let's round this out with a Grampus review. Oh no. What do you think Grampus gave? Five. Four and a half out of five. This is the highest rating I've seen a Grampus give. Looking back, Britpop was a confusing period. Living through the media commotion, it was easy to believe the UK had suddenly become the centre of the musical universe. The singles war between Blur and Oasis even made the BBC News headlines for goodness sake. And I bought into it more than most. My collection littered with bands like Menswear, Gay Dad, Salad, and Northern Uproar. Uh, Northern Uproar. We've not talked about those. All bought for no more reason than they were part of the supposed revolution. Now, even though I still have a soft spot for the likes of Oasis, 
history shows Britpop was no more revolutionary than any other manufactured genre. But hidden amongst the debris from the era are a number of excellent bands who, because their faces didn't fit or their voices were drowned out by more than their vocal peers, failed to garner the recognition they so richly deserved. In retrospect, Chester's Manson were among the best of this forgotten bunch. Attack of the Grey Lantern doesn't even sound like a Britpop album. Unlike other bands who were totally enthralled to British groups of the 60s, Manson simply cherry-picked from a number of sources, resulting in something which straddled prevailing trends, not original, but just different. The album received generous plaudits on its release and went straight to number one in the charts, but is now treated like an artefact of a bygone age. I'll read the last paragraph because I'm going. Music Manson are one of those unfortunate bands to grow in stature and appreciation after their demise. Attack of the Grey Lantern is one of the best albums of the period, and it certainly doesn't deserve to be labelled Britpop. Oh no! How do you feel about that? Um, Britpop. Yeah, I agree with him. Like it is a great album. It's it stands out on its own. It's not the same. It is different. Look, it is. It's musically different. It's the theme is different. The lyrics are they're different, but I think it's aged well as well. I think it's aged well. It doesn't a lot of bands that are around that time their albums don't seem no, to stack up, well. but it's aged. Uh, what did you give for this album? Eight. Eight and a half. Oh no. What did I give? Ten. It's the first ten. 5 out of 5, 10 out of 10, whatever you want to call it, this album, take it. It's amazing. I love this album. I stand by my 8.5, I think that's fair. I, I I wouldn't, there's no skippers in this album. Eggs, sheep, Fred. No, still, no, no, still enjoy it, still play it, still Tax love the it. album, I love the production of the album, I love the intro, it has a perfect hurrah. Everything of my perfect albums, this is it, the first 10. Not going to waver on it. Not good on you. Uh, so Manson, obviously, they're not together, but Paul Draper um, is on Twitter, Paul, at Paul Draper. Paul Draper Official is the website, working on a second album. So I can't wait to hear that coming out. Number three, Les. Oh, no. Number three. It's a big one. Well, obviously, they're all big now, but... How am I going to feel about this? Good. Good. You, like, better than you... You like it better than me? Is it somebody? Is it both of our albums? Is it your album? You know why this is up there? Because we both uh, have given a really strong rating for this album. If you think we've gone from a 10 and an 8.5, we're probably very consistent on our rating for this album. It's a band we've talked about before. We've covered the album after this, very recently. Um, This is the band's second album. Second album? I remember a lot about this album. Um, should I just, we'll just drop it. Just drop it. Just drop it. Radiohead. The Benz. Oh, they're back. Brilliant. And that leaves two albums to go. Jeez. <laughs> you are cutting it fine for this. Radiohead, The Benz, at number three. We both think this is a great album. I absolutely think this is a great album. It's it's fantastic. I can't wait. To, there's so much in this album, as with every Rudy Ahead album, so I can't wait to talk about that as well. And we're done. That was a long episode. It's going to be a long one. So thank everyone for, for sticking around for this. Love to know what people think about this. I'd love to talk about Manson to everyone. So How'd you feel? Exhausted. I'm tired. 
You tired? Yeah. Um, I hope I've done it. I hope I've done it justice, actually, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really yeah. passionate about that album. But also, I know I'm controversial about their their career. So um, that's fine. I'm comfortable with it. Really want to know what people think. Okay. Done. Let's move on. Uh, next week, Radiohead, the bands. Three episodes to go, and then you're on your holly bags, and we're done. Done. All right. Done. See you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.
stay.